0: Zone. She's like your older sister, but louder. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Here
1: we go, off and running on a Monday morning. How you doing, everyone? I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. Well, weather-wise, what can I tell you? We'll talk details with Stu Muck in a moment. Forecast in front of me today, calling for partly sunny skies. 63 are expected high. Tomorrow, partly sunny and 75. Wednesday, rain possibilities increased just a little bit, 68 degrees. Thursday, a good 58% chance of rain, 66 degrees. Just seems it's like that time of the year around Wisconsin, huh? Stu Macher, Ag Meteorologist, coming up in just a moment with our weather details. We're also focused in this morning on a trade group that visited Wisconsin on Friday, hosted in part by the Wisconsin Corn Growers and the U.S. Grains Council, Nate Zimdars caught up with them. They were interested in Wisconsin's ethanol production. Talking more about that as we roll our way through a Monday.
2: So house harvest? Higher yield potential starts with the season-long systemic disease protection of Zyway brand fungicides from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides protect corn crops from key foliar diseases and support physiological benefits that help develop healthier, higher-yielding corn. For a difference you'll appreciate at harvest visit your fmc retailer for an at plant advantage always read and follow all label directions
3: at world Dairy expo the world truly does come to madison for world Dairy expo almost 100 countries show up including uzbekistan and Oybek tajmatov is with us from uzbekistan and uh, oibik first of all place
4: uzbekistan on the map of asia where exactly are you uh, Uzbekistan is neighboring is like one of the double-locked country in the world. We have like only two, as Luxembourg and Uzbekistan, so we don't have access to sea. It's neighboring between Kazakhstan, Afghanistan, Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan. So people usually missing up and saying like Afghanistan when it's talking about Uzbekistan or Pakistan. It was like we are kind of neighbors, but completely different countries, uh, dif- different culture, mm. and everything is pretty much different.
3: And it is a, a democratic country. And you've got independent businesses that are up and running successfully. How important is agriculture in general in Uzbekistan? And
4: what goes on in agriculture in your country? Uh, in Uzbekistan, the agriculture is one of the biggest business. It's a country based on that one. So we have, like, the plants that growing cotton and some beans and stuff, exporting that, the vegetables, fruits. It's like probably pretty much important for the country because people are working on that one. Plus, of course, people having like private business, like we have, we have like a uh, cross sector group We're in different spheres, we have cement plants, we do have like dairy farm, one of the biggest one in the country. We have uh, 1,500 cattle, and we have the milk processing plant. So it's good working, like no problems, everything is peaceful. So working, developing the business and it's like government supporting us from each and every side.
3: I will right, we'll talk about that, but as far as your climate is concerned, is it a, is it a warm climate? Do, do you have cold winters? It sounds to me like you can grow a lot of different kinds of crops.
4: Uh, yeah, we we have like uh, the climate in Uzbekistan is like going from plus hundred twenty to minus fifteen to twenty. Wow, that's even <laughs> worse than it is here
3: in the winter time. That's for sure. Well. Where do you export? As you mentioned, you're a landlocked country, one of only two in the world. Landlocked country, how do you sell? Do you sell to your
4: neighbors? Uh, do you have routes to get to ports to ship other parts of the world? Uh, usually, we're using like uh, trucks. If you're selling, uh, we sell like many products to Europe. We produce, for example, ourselves. We produce like over seventy named product, like processed milk product. Mm-hmm. So we're exporting that in neighboring countries. We sell that in Europe. Uh, usually, going by truck or plane. So.
3: You've got, you mentioned that on the dairy that's part of your company 1,500 cows. What, what kind of a, a system do you have as far as, uh, as a dairy operation, a dairy farm itself, as far as uh, you know, milking systems and uh, feeding systems, ventilation systems, obviously 120 degrees down to minus 15. You've got to have some ventilation in there. I would assume it's a very modern country or a very modern operation.
4: Yeah, we do have like pretty much good system. We bought all materials from Europe. So all machines are coming from Europe mainly. We're getting something from China because China is not that far away from Uzbekistan. But mainly, yeah, we're getting European products and installed it, imp- implemented in our system because the because of climate. So it's going from hot to minus. Um, milking is a big problem because here, if people are getting like 80 pound, 100 pound per cow per day, we we getting like up to 60, 70, maybe 80 pound. So it's big different. Uh, it's because of like. First of all, like as we see in U.S., people are like there's a fifth generation, sixth generation of farmers. Mm-hmm. In our case, it will like first or second because like people didn't do like a commercial farming. It was like small homemade farms. It's, like many people have that because Uzbekistan so far have 15 million cattle in the country.
3: Is that an increasing number? Are there getting to be more dairy farms over there,
4: or has it got to be kind of a corporate structure such as yours? uh no it's main one is of course is like people are living in the village side they holding like at home carrying like two three four kettles just for milk mm-hmm. and we as a we have a processing plant since we like processing milk we could process 100 tons milk per day by processing that one so the local farmers are bringing to, to our f- f- plant and selling that one we're buying from them and process and sell them as end product
3: tell me about your processing is this fluid milk are you making cheese are you making yogurt what kind of uh, processing what kind of product is your milk ending up in
4: uh, we process like and we, we process for the yogurt we produce like four types of it for the little babies up to yeah. adults and like uh, then we we'll do the cheese milk itself uh, different type of like kefirs and stuff like that it's we produce we produce like process like a dry milk sure powder yeah powder yeah so we'll produce that one as well you mentioned earlier that the, the government uh, helps
3: you out, a few subsidies. Do they subsidize the dairy industry, and, and how does that work in
4: Uzbekistan? Uh, they helping. they helping us with the land. Uh, yeah, they're giving some subsidies for some products and, like, helping to develop it. Of course, the government's trying to support our industry, but we're here to get experience and see how it's working here, to get the experience from U.S. that is, like, second generation is long-term that we want to take it from U.S. and put it in our country and develop it there. So, of course, we'll invest in that one, and government will support us on this. I was going to say, my question, you're at uh, visiting again with Oybek
3: Tozhmatov from Uzbekistan here at World Dairy Expo. Are there some specific pieces of technology that uh, you are looking at here at World Dairy Expo? Uh, or just uh, modernization of the industry, things you can take home to modernize your
4: industry at home. Oh, the technology in our, in our, specifically, our farm is pretty much modern because it's there for, like, six years, maybe, only oh. six or five years, so it's pretty much new. And uh, for us, it's, we want to see and get, like, experience of, like, for example, here's, like, different type of climate you have. How are you controlling that the level? Because when the uh, temperature growing from, like, six, like, let's say 120 to minus 20, the, it kind of stress for cattle. And dairy farmers too. Yeah, that's a big stress. So, for example, when you get in like uh, eighty gallons or like hundred gallons, then at the moment you start getting like 40, 30, it's kind of struggling with that one. And that's why I see how people working here. What, what type of meal they giving? What what meal they provide? Because in our case, the meal is different. Because bringing soybean, it's like soy uh, soy meal is pretty much complicated. But we're talking about that one, and we planning to build the crushing plant in Uzbekistan. We now in the process of negotiation with local companies mm-hmm. to do that in Uzbekistan because soy meal it's kind of not big problem but problem all over the world from our side. Mm-hmm. Here, like no problem, you have everything is all good. That we've
3: got soy meal, that's for sure. What is the, the basic ration of a dairy cow over there? As you said, you're trying to get soy meal. Do you do you raise maize or corn, uh, alfalfa for hay, haylage, grass?
4: What kind of what do you feed the dairy cows over there? We do everything. Basically, we have our farm, we have nowadays like, I believe it's on some, some, something like 30,000 acres of land that we growing like barley, alfalfa, we trying to get the like, hydroponic system to get like better level, like high level quality meal for the cows and increase it. So, we're growing everything as possible to grow and feed the animals, to improve them. Now,
3: do you worry about, you process your own milk and, and sell the finished product, but for others, is there a milk price in Uzbekistan? Like if you buy another, pro, another dairy producer's milk, how do you figure out the price and what kind of, what kind of price is the milk bringing in Uzbekistan?
4: It's difficult to say in gallons because people say here or in pounds. Hundred pounds,
3: gallon. or how do you how do you price it? Like how do you? I don't know how here. It's a price per hundred weight, and I don't know what you do in Uzbekistan. But uh, is there a price? or It doesn't sound like it's, it's something that's a, a concern over in Uzbekistan over there because uh, you don't have that many small producers that uh, that are relying on that uh, milk check that sell their milk to you.
4: Uh, yeah, we buy like, a lot. Because, like, obviously, we cannot produce everything ourselves because we have like 1500 cattle, but it's not enough. Uh, normally, the price per gallon, like, I can tell the price per liter, uh, and it will be like from 40 to 45 cents for mm-hmm. one liter. I think it's similar to US price. Yeah, that is because similar. 100, 100 gallon, we talked yesterday with one farmer, and they said, like, we, we, we're getting like 18 to 20 dollars for 100, gallon, like, 100 100 pounds, sorry. We counted that is r- roughly the same numbers that we have. That's interesting. As you go forward, are you seeing
3: an increase in the number of dairy farms? Like you said, you got 1,500, but you need more milk than that. Are you seeing an increase in the number of dairy farms in Uzbekistan?
4: Yeah, definitely. People are opening new, new farms, the big one. And usually it's like going up to 1,000 normally, mm-hmm. but we want to extend ours. We, we're planning to go up to uh, 4,000, maybe 5,000 cattle.
3: As you look in the, in this country, you talk to dairy farmers, one of the biggest challenges is finding help, labor, people to work on the dairy farms. Do you have that problem in Uzbekistan?
4: Not really. I, I told you in the beginning, so the agriculture, that's like part of a country. So it's tradition, that's like people living with that. So it's not a big problem.
3: What do you see as the, uh, the future over there as far as Uzbekistan and the dairy industry do you export, what, 10 15 20% of your production as far as your processed uh, you know, kefirs and yogurts and
4: things like that? Where do you expect that will go? Uh, we're trying to export. We're thinking about U.S. because we have, like, organic 100 like 1,000% organic materials. So we're thinking to export here, try it at least for some amount. And usually we're selling for a local market and uh, neighboring countries. Vic. thank you for your time.
3: Thank you very much. All right, Uzbekistan, a growing dairy industry here at World Dairy Expo. Oybek Toshmatov with us from Uzbekistan. I'm Bob Osel. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngkey. <laughs>
7: Legacy Exteriors, just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on
6: your home. Roofing windows, gutters, siding, and decks, can Legacy do it? You bet. Better prices, better warranties, Legacy always makes it easy. Go to Legacy-Exteriors.com. Legacy Exteriors, just pick up the phone and let us leave a legacy on your home.
3: Pam is the name.
5: Farm speak is the game. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam
1: Young Oh, everybody, speaking about the weather, it was glorious looking yesterday for most of us in the state of Wisconsin. I was up at the farm and uh, saw how colors are still hanging on really good, but I'm worried with the rain and the wind that could be a part of this week that that might be short lived everywhere in the state. Time for our Compure Financial Ag Weather Updates. muck Ag Meteorologist along with us. You know, Saturday was a little bit of a Yuck, you know, kind of windy and wet. But Sunday, some of the colors were still pretty vibrant. I do worry, though, that with this rain forecast you've got uh, really starting tomorrow afternoon, those colors could fade pretty quick.
0: Yeah, they could fade, and there will be some wind gusts, especially Tuesday could help to move some of those leaves off the trees as well. And for anybody who needs to spend more time out in the field, the the rain picture here this week May not sound like the best of news because I think the rain, although it's not all going to come at one time, but there'll be a chance, even a chance this morning. And then again, later tonight on into Tuesday, somewhere around Wednesday as well, you start adding this all up. I mean, today we could see up to a 10th of an inch, not a big deal, Uh, but then as we head on toward Tuesday night and Wednesday, it could add up into a quarter, half inch, maybe some higher amounts as we look on toward Wednesday night or into the day Thursday. If you add it all up from today and on through Thursday or what may linger into Friday, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about rain amounts that begin to add up into that uh, closer to one inch, maybe an inch and a half or two inches in some areas, It's, again, not all going to come at one time. It's spread out over several days, but it is going to stay a little more on the wet side. Temperatures make a big difference. I mean, above normal expected again today, even further above normal into the day Tuesday, cooling off slightly into Wednesday, all of that well above normal sounds very fine indeed. But let's talk about it. A little weak disturbance trying to build into the state today, and it's providing some light rain central into western parts of Wisconsin. A little heavier rain, southeast Minnesota, northeast Iowa, just pushing into southwest Wisconsin. Not all that heavy, but not just sprinkles. That little wave will push east and through the area. A cool front begins pushing on into the state then as we head through Tuesday. Doesn't leave till Wednesday. That's when a little more of that rain is likely behind that front that's when those temperatures drop off start to cool not too quickly but they cool a bit for Wednesday cooling off toward Thursday and Friday then still in the 60s but only low 60s as we head toward the end of the week and then that cooler air maybe even some upper 40s or only about 50 in some areas that starts to build back in for the weekend ahead so a lot of things to talk about I'll have forecast details right after this
5: We're on Keeping Wisconsin strong.
0: As a proud sponsor of
6: the WIAA, Rural Mutual roots for all of Wisconsin's student-athletes. Whether they're a hometown hero or they dream of the national spotlight, sportsmanship keeps Wisconsin strong. Visit RuralMutual.com WIAA to learn more about how they support high school athletics. Rural
5: Mutual insurance. Keeping Wisconsin strong.
1: Whether it's finally getting that blue ribbon or enjoying too many carnival rides, we all have memories of the fair. Here's your chance to share those stories in our Everybody Has a Fair Story contest. The Midwest Farm Report is teaming up with the Wisconsin Association of Fairs as they celebrate 100 years of fairs to share the fair story. Entries are being accepted all summer long, and there are cash prizes. To enter and see full contest details, visit MidwestFarmReport.com. All right, buddy, let's uh, get our rainfall reports going, give them some guidelines here. It looks like we're going to be halfway decent today, warmer than I expected for a lot of this week.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, here we are heading on toward the end of November when an extended forecast to the beginning of November, excuse me, when an extended forecast last week was indicating below normal temperatures. This week's trying to prove them wrong. Today, let's talk about some showers this morning in the west. They spread east through the day. They may redevelop late today in the west. Generally, some clouds holding on. A little sun may break through in the south, though, later on. In the lower 60s today, above normal, south winds 5 to 15 could even gust up near 30. Overnight, I'll call it mostly cloudy. A few showers possible late in the nighttime, Low to mid 50s for nighttime lows with those south winds about 5 to 15. On Tuesday, let's call it partly sunny. How about that? Maybe a little shower earlier in the day, a little more likely to see scattered showers as we head toward midday or afternoon. Kind of breezy. Let's push it up into the mid-70s, way above normal. Southwest winds 10 to 20, gusting to 30. Wednesday, cloudy skies, showers, and a slight chance of a thunderstorm. Upper 60s, southwest winds 5 to 15. Still some shower chance around even into Thursday, Pam. And like I say, uh, Tuesday night into Wednesday could be some of the heavier rain we see. And cumulative this week could get kind of wet.
1: Yeah. How? And so we still don't have a good idea on how wet that'll kind of come later this week, hey?
0: Well, let's on and off. You know, less than a tenth today or tonight, you know, or maybe a tenth of an inch. But a little heavier could push up toward a quarter or half on Tuesday night, mm-hmm. another half or better on Wednesday. Okay.
1: So we'll wait it- and
0: see. It keeps adding.
1: All right. All right. Yikes. All right. Not what we want. Your Compeer Financial Ag Weather Update. Compeer Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America. Visit Compeer.com.
5: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
6: This is Matt Gunderson, and this is Elmer, our canine cuddle ambassador here to provide good-natured, loving, fuzzy support to further our level of personal care. Someday you might meet Elmer as we assist you with an individual life celebration. Let
9: our family help your family.
6: Visit GundersonFH.com. Over 100 years as your hometown life celebration center.
1: Space
0: one, clear, Since 1995, the Global Positioning System, or GPS, developed by the U.S. military,
7: Here we go.
0: has been operational for civilian use. Please
7: proceed to the highlight
0: Today, the men and women of the Air Force Reserve continue their vital mission, guiding safely on your way, while protecting the freedoms we all enjoy. The United States Air Force Reserve, guiding and protecting America.
4: The nightmare of working with some contractors is much like being on a bad date. They totally wreck your bathroom, swindle you out of a ton of money, then disappear into the dark of night. Swipe left. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company who completes the job as promised, is cost conscious, then leaves you with a sweet thank you note. Swipe right and let's get the conversation started with a free consultation actuate LLC.com. design create actuate
1: hi grandma what's for dinner hey honey i'm making stew tonight Ooh, can nina come over i'm not sure about our new friend i wonder if there's been any drinking going on alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things i've been meaning to ask you what would happen if someone offered you a drink Grandma? This is hard, she's so young, but I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really?
8: I promise, Grandma. I love
1: you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think?
6: Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.
9: You can't change the price of gas or groceries, but you can change the amount of your energy bill. Benjamin Plumbing is now a certified dealer of Rinnai tankless water heaters, the number one tankless water heater in North America. They're up to 40% more energy efficient and provide endless hot water. Stop wasting tons of energy keeping 40, 50, even 75 gallons of water hot day and night with your old water heater. Call Benjamin Plumbing today and learn more about the new state of the art, energy efficient Renai tankless water heaters, including a factory extended warranty. Save money with endless hot water for your home with a new Renai water heater from Benjamin Plumbing.
5: Hi, Dale Benjamin with Benjamin Plumbing. When we say your plumbing problem is fixed, we mean it. No excuses. I guarantee it. Contact Benjamin Plumbing at BenjaminPlumbing.com.
8: Now you've got a friend in the plumbing business.
5: Benjamin Plumbing.
7: You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want.
3: Your Aunt Betty used
7: to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with Lazy Luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling.
9: Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town
2: Mall. You're worth so much more. Have you ever had the choice to accumulate wealth or go into debt? Let's play would you rather. Would you rather have $190,000 in total compensation or be $29,000 in debt? That's the choice between paying for a bachelor's degree that might not even land you a job or an apprenticeship with LiUNA that will lead to job security, a pension, stability, and a lifetime of great wages. You're worth so much more. Go to liunawisconsin.org join to learn how to accumulate wealth instead of debt.
5: I was uh, listening to Temple and Heilprin last night live at Monks and Sun Prairie. By the way, they're going to be offering uh, Homefield Apparel, Is going to hook you up with a $25 gift certificate. You just got to go to Monks and Sun Prairie every Thursday, do a little QR code, and we'll announce the winner on Friday. And you get hooked up for some awesome apparel for Homefield, homefieldapparel.com. But Jesse said this it was like, or Zach said it to Jesse, it was like one of those what if scenarios. Like, what if Brett Bielema would have stuck around with Wisconsin? What if Paul Chris never got fired like a what-if scenario? And then Jesse said this. Brett Bielema's record for the Wisconsin Badgers, Rowdy, 92-68. and 68. Paul Chris' record for the Badgers, 93-67. and
6: 67. And then there was Gary Anderson. In Wait, not not
5: about him. He brought the defense with him, though, the 3-4. 92 and 68. Brett Bielema. 93 and 67.
6: Do you think if Brett Bielema would have stayed, that he would still be the coach today?
5: What eventually goes up must come down. No, I don't think he'd be the coach today. Do
6: you? I don't know. I don't. How, how much, much better Bielema, could he have done? Hey, I don't know if what goes up for Brett Bielema always comes back down because no, that weight's going the up. weight's not
5: going low. The great pumpkin keeps getting bigger yeah, and bigger. That's not getting smaller. Stop giving that great pumpkin miracle grow. <laughs> Rowdy, um, I mean, how much better could have Brett Bielema done? Do you think he's going to a college? For, like, remember when he left, he's like, oh, I want to go to a college football playoffs. You can't do it in the big day. Th- you can't do it here. Well, you have Michigan and you got Ohio State. Yeah, Penn State. Could Wisconsin or Brett Bielema? I know it's all what ifs and whatever. Could he have gotten over the hump? Man.
6: Right? I, lost, lost a couple of Rolls bowls. Uh, could he have gotten over the he, hump? He won some Big Ten championships. Yeah? I could, mean...
5: Who had a better chance of getting over the hump? Brett Bielema or Paul Crist? Both... The record is almost identical. Now, I
6: personally think it was Paul Crist. But I, I was... Was the one that stuck up for Brett Bielema. Yeah. Now, I don't know if they would have been much better, but there definitely wouldn't have been, there definitely wouldn't have been that Gary Anderson. No. (laughs) Those those times. Isn't that crazy to think about? 92 and 68 for Bielema. Um, Is Brett Bielema a hire, though, to take your program to the next level? Paul Christ.
5: The record almost identical. It's almost identical.
6: Is he a hire? to take your program to the next level? Or like, is he a hire right now to take you from being poor to an exceptional team? When you say exceptional, do you mean like above average? I'm like, saying like you could win 10 games and feel pretty good about yourself, but have no chance of ever winning like a legitimate college football playoff. That, I think that's where he's at now.
5: Or what, yeah, what, what would Paul, who gives you the better chance of doing it? Paul, Chris, or Brett of getting over of getting over the hump?
6: Or are they both just this this ain't it? Cause They're I've, as good as what they were. I feel like when you look at Brett Bielema, he's coached at Arkansas. Now, clearly, Arkansas isn't a blue blood like he was coaching at Georgia or Florida or Alabama where he had full access to all the best players mm-hmm. like Arkansas. Yeah. You're still in that Southeastern footprint. You still have a lot of great athletes that you can go after and recruit, but you still don't get the top tier talent. Yeah. So, so maybe he was on more of a, a level playing field in the big 10 where most of the schools were getting the same type of talent. He was, was Paul Chris, the benefactor of Gary Anderson's defense. Are we really giving credit to Gary Anderson on anything? I get he brought it, but they had a lot of different coaches that continued to run it. (laughs) Like what? They had Dave If there was no
5: Gary Anderson, would there be a 3-4 defense here? They had Dave Aranda,
6: Justin Wilcox. um, else the
9: dollar package.
6: Jim Leonard. None of them went away from Uh, it.
9: Hey, Grant. Morning, fellas. What's going on? You guys been talking all about Brett Bielema today? Just a little bit. Temple and Heilbron last night, I thought they did a really good job, maybe giving Brett Bielema a little credit for the state I think of Wisconsin football. I think they would have
6: been about B-Lama was great they for were. Wisconsin football. I don't think they would have been any worse. I think they would have been about I what don't they think were. either of
5: them would get you over to the hump that Luke Fickle potentially can. He
9: did it at Cincinnati. I'm, are, is there Luke Fickle discourse? So I've been listening no, no, this morning. No, 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 no.
5: We're, okay. just, we're just doing Bielema and Chris have essentially the same record.
9: Yeah. For
5: Wisconsin coaches. I mean, Paul Christ was there a year more, but there's that COVID you're throwing in there.
9: Mm-hmm. The before times. He was here during the before this times. This isn't the purgatory. I, times. I just wish
1: like we
0: could have had to. If you've ever driven a tractor, you're her friend. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Well,
1: if you're planning on driving tractor this week, chances are you might want to do it early in the week as opposed to late. We've got rain in our forecast. Morning again, everyone. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. Should be fine today. Partly sunny and 63. Partly sunny tomorrow in 75, and then things start getting a little complicated. Wednesday, we've got about a 36% chance of rain, 68 are expected high. Thursday, a 58% chance of rain in 66. Friday, 42% chance of rain in the forecast right now, 64 degrees. So today is the 23rd day of October. On this day in 2001, Apple introduced the first iPod player, Remember? Portable media player. Just a little thing. Already six years after its initial launch, Apple said that it had 100 million devices that were already sold. The company has kind of been criticized for its aggressive policies, forcing users to use only original batteries, preventing them from freely sharing content with one another. Well, now that's all in the rearview mirror. I bet most of you are listening to your music your videos on your phone. Apple started it with the first iPod player back in 2001. Happy birthday today to Weird Al Yankovic, 64 years young, and actor Ryan Ryan Reynolds. He's 47. And now you know. Well, if you've been paying attention to Wisconsin agribusiness, you know we have welcomed in a lot of international trade delegations over the past year, year and a half time. Some of it inspired by our Wisconsin Ag Export Council and commodity groups like the Wisconsin Corn Growers that are trying to harvest some grant monies to turn it into big business for Wisconsin agriculture. On Friday, Nate Zimders caught up with the delegation, hosted in part by the Wisconsin Corn Growers and U.S. Grains Council, as they visited Wisconsin from Philippine and the Thailand uh, to learn more about our ethanol industry.
9: The U.S. Grain Council just hosted the Global Ethanol Summit in Washington, D.C., this summit brought visitors from all around the world to learn more about ethanol and how they could build relationships and grow markets. I'm Nate Zimdars with the Midwest Farm Report, and I'm speaking with Chris Markey from the U.S. Grain Council, where he serves as the Assistant Regional Director for Southeast Asia and Oceania. He speaks more in depth about the ethanol market in Southeast Asia and why organizing tours for foreign visitors is so important.
2: So we've got 17 people from Southeast Asia, Thailand and Philippines in particular. It's a very comprehensive, diverse group of both ethanol producers, sugarcane producers, which is the main feedstock in both Thailand and Philippines, academics, government officials, and even oil companies that are importing ethanol and blending it into their gasoline for road use. The main aim of this mission is to really show stakeholders, both regulators and buyers from these countries, this uh, supply security, as well as what the U.S. ethanol industry is doing with respect to innovation when it comes to yield generation and decarbonization.
9: And why is it important to have a group from Southeast Asia come to the United States? What is the
2: relationship currently like with some of these countries? So two things that really come to mind are that one, ethanol is a very burgeoning product in Southeast Asia. Southeast Asia is the economic engine of Asia and really of the world. It's a block of 700 million people with fast rising populations, fast rising incomes. And with that comes industrial development and of course, more GHG emissions. And so a lot more governments and countries and consumers are becoming a lot more aware of the environmental impact of growth and need to decarbonize as well. And they've, you know, identified fuel ethanol on the road in particular as a solution to decarbonization. For this to work, for our bilateral trade to be sustainable and to work long-term, we need to also help ethanol industries in these markets grow, both on decarbonizing their operations, be more efficient, because this relationship that helps benefit U.S. farmers, farmers in Wisconsin, it doesn't work if it's one-way street. It has to be a two-way street, right? So we have to show how we can help in terms of optimization and production, and then show them that, hey, we have secure supply here to help augment your supply domestically.
9: Now, is this the first time for many of these visitors in the United States?
2: No, actually, uh, bulk of this team came to the US in 2019 when we held our first global ethanol summit prior to the pandemic. So a lot of them have a very long history with both the United States and the U.S. ethanol industry. I think the newest additions to this team are the oil companies, right? Southeast Asian oil companies are also increasingly becoming more aware and favorable to fuel ethanol as a means to provide consumers and drivers in Southeast Asia more environmentally friendly options and even cheaper gasoline.
9: From the conversations that you've had with this current group, is there anything new or unique that they have seen so far on this
2: trip or that they've experienced that you think they'll take back with them to their home countries? I think two things. One, just the scale, the scale of operations, right? So the U.S. is very uniquely positioned to offer that secure and cheap supply, given the trends in the domestic market here in terms of scale and consolidation. That's quite new in Southeast Asian agribusiness and agribusiness complex, right? So that's getting some brains turning, I think, in the delegation. And the other is the innovation that we're doing on yield generation, as well as lowering our carbon footprint in the U.S. ethanol industry which is especially important for the Thai group given they're looking to use ethanol for both sustainable aviation fuel and bioplastics. We're going to need to continue to decarbonize our operations here to make a cheap and reliable substrate for those industries, not only in Southeast Asia, but across the world.
1: That's Chris Markey with the U.S. Grains Council visiting with our own Nate Zimdars, U.S. Grains Council, as well as the Wisconsin Corn Growers, ushering a group of 17 visitors from the Philippines and Thailand around our ethanol facilities on Friday. Farm News on a Monday morning, brought to you by Coke Industries. Protivate Nutritional Seed
9: Enhancer is an 80-20 talc graphite replacement that provides the critical nutrients corn and soybeans need for early and uniform emergence. Learn more at
1: GetGreaterGrowth.com. Focus on your farm in 2023 with Focus on Energy. Focus on Energy can identify energy efficiency
6: upgrades on your farm, helping you save money on your utility bills for years to come.
1: Get started today by contacting your energy advisor. Call 800-762-7077 or visit focusonenergy.com/agribusiness to learn more.
9: That's focusonenergy.com/agribusiness. Focus on Energy, helping farmers save since 2001.
1: On Friday in Chicago, saw the barrel cheese gain a penny to 171. 40-pound block cheese down two and a half, 178 three quarters. Double A butter dropped three and three quarter cents, still at 336 a pound this morning. Markets not exactly excited about their Monday trade session. December corns unchanged right now, 496. November beans are down seven at 1295. July new crop wheat down three at 642. November class three milk is up 16 at 1828. December milk up 13. Right now, 1822, 100 weight. Wisconsin milk production in September did go up another 1%. September milk in New Mexico went down more than 7%. In uh, Florida, they actually saw milk production go up 12%. Milk, it's exactly what we're talking about next with our friends from Farm First Dairy Cooperative. Brand new partners here on The Farm Show.
5: This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.
1: Everyone dreams of that one special day. I'm not talking about a wedding day, a push present or a big anniversary. I'm talking about a special day made just for you. Maybe you paid off the mortgage finished a marathon, left the dork who couldn't see you for the amazing person you are. It's different for everyone, but it's a day that needs celebrating, with a custom piece to bring a Mona Lisa smile to your face.
0: William
9: Thomas Custom Jewelry, your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Sweet Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore.
1: There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters.
9: It's one and done.
1: It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweeta Metal Roof.
6: S-W-I-T-A Metal Sweeta Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need.
3: Have you ever had an MRI through the hospital where you're crunched inside a scary tube-like tunnel? MH Imaging in Middleton provides the spacious comfort of a completely open design MRI, the most updated concept in MRIs. It's an open MRI, open for everyone, regardless of insurance or doctor affiliation, for a fraction of the cost of a medical system. And the results are available the same day, providing you with answers you need to know now. Visit mhimaging.com.
9: From farm
5: to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This
1: is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngkey. Well, we're welcoming to the show a brand new partner with us, Farm First Dairy Cooperative. Now listen, you probably have heard of Farm First Dairy Cooperative For a while. It's a multi-generational cooperative. It has been uh, two cooperatives pulled together for years. We'll get to the history in just a moment. But what you may not know are the services behind Farm First Dairy Cooperative. It makes them different than a lot of other milk uh, partners here in the state of Wisconsin and across the upper Midwest. Joining me to help kick off this conversation is Abby Walker. She's a member services field representative in Wisconsin, but she also serves dairy producers outside of the state. You know, maybe we better start there, Abby. Uh, First of all, introduce yourself. You're a relative new face when it comes to Farm First. What's your background?
8: Um, I didn't grow up in the dairy industry. That was uh, something I came into Um, at UW-Platteville, actually, when I started working on a farm down there. And so that was kind of my entrance into ag and specifically dairy. Um, And then after that, I did nutrition for a little while and then came here to Farm First.
1: Excellent. Well, we're glad to have you and thanks for making the drive in. So talk to us a little bit. Obviously, if you're relatively new in the position, one of the first things you had to do was find out about Farm First. What did you learn? What do we need to know about Farm First that makes them different?
8: Yes, so Farm First is a member co-op for dairy producers. We have about 2,500 in our membership across seven states, so we have a pretty pretty big reach. Um, and then within that is three divisions that we have, so Family Dairies would be our patrons that we market milk for, so it's about 130 farms there. We also have the Fox Valley Quality Control Lab that does milk testing for different processors. And then our member services division, which is where I work in, um, does services for uh, patrons to privately owned cheese plants, typically.
1: That's the part where I think people get tripped up is Farm First Dairy Cooperative doesn't hold a brick and mortar processing facility, but you've got partnerships that reach deep into the dairy industry.
8: Yeah, so we work with a bunch of processors all across Wisconsin and into our neighboring states. So it's, we have lots of connections and lots of people that we work with on a daily basis.
1: The other thing that I'm not sure people realize about Farm First is they're active in policy development too. I mean, this is the three-legged stool that a lot of dairies are looking for. Keeping an eye on, for right now, federal milk marketing orders. Jeff Lyons, the CEO, was testifying there. Then we also have the developing farm bill. Well, Farm First has a voice at that table. Then, like you mentioned, you've got those strong dairy processor relationships that uh, ebb and flow. And I don't mean that as far as the relationship, but as far as the amount of milk they may be looking for. And then, like you said, the member services side with things like milk testing. So what seems to draw people to Farm First in your experiences?
8: Um, I think our grassroots kind of outlook on things and a lot of the support that they get from their field reps Um, is typically where people like to be with Farm First.
1: Yeah, Abby Walker is the face of Farm First for a lot of those dairies. Tell them a little bit about what you do as a member services field representative. I think that a lot of times, you know, maybe it's schedule, uh, maybe it's just uh, happenstance. They may not get a chance to see their member services field representative. Tell them what you do.
8: Yeah, so day-to-day, I'm doing milk test verification and lab checks monthly, so that is... um, you know, seeing those tests that our farms are getting from the labs and then also checking on the labs and making sure that everything's running correctly there and being done um, to the standard that we like to see. Um, We also do tank calibrations for our members. And most of our field staff is certified evaluators within the farm program. So we're able to work with the plants that work with that program and provide them with that service.
1: Yeah, and like you said, you are the face of Farm First for a lot of dairy processing. Uh, You go to them or you meet with them. What are those conversations generally like?
8: Yeah, with the field reps for the processors, we like to have lunches with them. Those are always fun. Um, And we're just kind of talking about changes within the industry, changes within their plant or changes within our co-op and just how to work together with them with our mutual patrons and members
1: well and you would hope that that would mean less surprise for your dairy farmer members if you're on the front edge of a conversation and you're getting kind of the sense or the feel that something's going to change that could impact your clients again abby walker in studio with us she is the member services field representative for farm first dairy cooperative now listen if you've heard the name you know that it's been a part of wisconsin for a long long time Remember, like she said, they're in seven states. You can start to find out more about Farm First if you'd like while we're having this conversation. Jump on their website. Spell this all out. FarmFirstDairyCooperative.com. Spell it all out. FarmFirstDairyCooperative.com. And, Abby, you were telling me you want them to click on, for example, the field reps area because some of those folks may not have physically ever seen who they're working with.
8: Yeah, so all of our profiles are on there with where we're based out of. So you can find the one that's relatively close to you, and that'll most likely be the field rep for that territory.
1: Excellent. Now, there's more to this cooperative than just the milk. Uh, Annual meetings are coming up. That's a chance for everybody that's, shall we say, got skin in the game to come together. Tell me a little bit about what you've learned about those annual meetings, those district meetings that are coming up.
8: Yeah, so we're um, doing our annual appreciation dinners for our members. So we have about 16 spread out through our membership territory, um, and those are um, opportunities for people to get into leadership roles within our co-op, actually. They, um, we did recently did nominations last month, and we are still taking them if people are interested. Um, and then they'll get voted into those and then be able to have a voice at our annual meeting.
1: Yeah, and the annual meeting is another item that comes up into early 2024. The uh, scholarships are also open. That's another way that Farm First gives back to its uh, dairy farmer family. Tell me a little bit about the scholarships, and I understand the applications are now being accepted, huh?
8: Yes, applications did open up, so those are available to um, any of our members' kids that are going to be continuing education. So that's a great opportunity for them to... Get involved
1: there. Right, right. Now, we want to also talk a little bit about uh, the geographic spread of uh, Farm First territory. You mentioned for me that all of the representatives may say that they're living in Wisconsin, but you guys pivot. I mean, those farmers that are outside, those dairies that are outside of Wisconsin, get the same tender, loving care that you guys give to your own. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you're speaking with your dairy farmers these days one of the reasons why I wanted Abby in studio is let's face it our industry is aging making sure the next generation of dairy producers understands what Farm First has to offer is a pretty important piece of the conversation what do you tell them Abby?
8: Yeah so territory wise I mean I cover southern Wisconsin Eastern Iowa, Illinois, and Indiana. So it is a widespread, some travel days are pretty long, um, but it is important to me to be face to face with those members. Um, but obviously, that's not gonna happen every day or even every month. So um, we do have our monthly newsletter that goes out for co op information and industry stuff. And then every Friday, we send out um, an email update with different things that Sarah puts together. Mm-hmm. And we're actually looking at doing a texting, so that might be coming up too um, down the road.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and like I said, let's face it, most of us are communicating with one another, our employees, our veterinary, whatever, on that text uh, situation, if not even more sophisticated. Are you finding that younger members gravitate towards the flexibility, the multi-pronged approach that Farm First takes to managing dairy today?
8: Yeah, I think they really like where they can get information through multiple facets, and, I mean, we've been really trying to keep our Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and all those sources that they use on a daily basis updated with what we have going on.
1: Excellent. Well, we're so glad that Abby Walker could take some time from her Widespread territory of southern Wisconsin, northeastern Iowa, northern Illinois, and like she said, some into Indiana to join us in studio. First of our conversations with Farm First Dairy Cooperative. Are you looking around to see what dairy cooperative can pivot with you, what dairy cooperative can offer your next generation dairy men or women? An opportunity maybe for growth, and they're working on your behalf for policy, milk testing, that relationship with the processors they work with. You want to find out more? You want to be engaged in the process? Start by going to their website. Spell out farmfirstdairycooperative.com. Start by